Welcome to SBCA's Lumber Connection Podcast, where we discuss today's market and explore tomorrow's trends. Here's our host, Molly Butts. Hello and welcome to Lumber Connection. It's the week of March 21st, 2022, and I'm back in the studio with my regular expert, Ken Timmons, and his very special guest, Jeff Hoggard. Both Ken and Jeff are from American International Forest Products, or AIFP. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Molly. It's really exciting to have somebody new today. Uh, JB, our other expert that's usually with us, is out on spring break, I believe, so I hope he's having a good time with his family. I mean, we are literally, guys, we are literally right around the corner from the end of the first quarter. And, you know, I'm seeing lots of folks asking or maybe surmising is a better word for, you know, what Q2 has in store for us. Uh, I have a couple of questions sort of in my dress pocket, but uh, I think I'll start by turning it over to the two of you for an update on the lumber market. You know, the world's best movie directed by Steven Spielberg, taken over by Quentin Tarantino and finished by, I don't know, Michael Bay uh, continues, right? Um, There's never a dull moment in the market. The last couple of weeks since we've spoken have certainly been interesting. We left you guys off thinking, okay, the next few weeks we're going to see some choppiness. There's going to be opportunities in some products, but stay in front of your needs because... All things considered, in the short term, the market is still somewhat constrained. There's lots of factors, whether it be labor, logistics, both rail and truck, um, log costs. There's there's reasons in the short run that are making this market still difficult to trade. So in the choppiness that we were forecasting certainly has happened. Um, not all products moving in unison, not all species. There's quite a bit of substituting going on especially in the high grades um, for cord stock for a lot of trust manufacturers. The last few weeks have been have been interesting, to say the least. I, I have to agree. I think the volatility that, that we were looking for uh, is peaking in in certain spots, as Ken mentioned, um, certain species more than others. Very strong here still on the West Coast in the fur species. And Ken, Ken mentioned it, log costs. Dug for log costs are still exceptionally high above all-time records, setting new ones here this year. For that reason, production has remained low on the West Coast, and that's not anything that is, that is going to change in the short term. The confusion, I guess, is the, is the word that I've been using uh, you know, for some buyers or in, some, in some companies, is, uh, is coming from the potential wall of wood that, uh, that is, again, more verbiage that gets used in our market day in, day out. That, that, that is waiting to come out of Canada. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the shipping issues in, in Canada or out of Canada are well documented. Uh, the CP strike here that is currently going on uh, is being asked about day in and day out and what kind of effect that's going to have. Um, but the long story short, the CP deal is really a non-issue for our industry. Uh, the you know, Most of the stuff that ships out of the uh, the big mills or, or the high shipping mills go out on the CN and the NS, and that's just going to remain that way. The CP is a piece, but it's not a large piece. But there is a lot of wood that has been produced, uh, obviously trying to play catch up with that stuff, and, and that's what we're, we're waiting on right now. Okay, so you are seeing some more, I mean, it sounds like it's not having a huge effect, but it sounded like you are seeing some more Canadian rail shipments start to ease through the border. They, they are starting to loosen. Uh, I, I mean, really what we're seeing right now is, is stuff that has been backlogged. I, I received car numbers this week for cars that were supposed to ship the first week of January. 
So we've we've got to we've got to prime the pump and get through a lot of those old orders first. <clears throat> and to that point, Molly, there is a, a touch of easing going on in Canada, not as much as we'd been hoping for the last few podcasts. And right there with it, there's been some tightening in cars in the Pacific Northwest. That's been the bulk of our, our meetings on our trading for the last few days is, hey, we normally get uh, X amount of cars. Now we're getting half or we got prompt wood, but it ships two or three weeks from now. Right. And that's why over the last few months, we've really kind of honed in on that 30 day, 45 day kind of strategy window. Right. Because even if everything's perfect right now, it's still shipping three weeks. That's 21 days. Oof, so yeah. the supply chain constraints tougher than they've ever been before. Um, and that's really, that's the number one factor in everyone's decision-making is logistics. And after last year, it's a really dangerous game to play. Nobody wants to be real heavy on inventory. So 30 to 60 days in their mind is playing it safe. Well, they're also, you know, most, most of us and or all of us are exceptionally busy. We're, we're all running it at full speed. You know, if you're running just-in-time inventory and you run that into logistical nightmares, you're you're set up for a disaster. And that's what a lot of guys are doing right now. Yikes. Okay. I have something sort of, I feel like it's a little peripheral. So I hesitate just a little bit to bring it up, but, and I know. Do it. Just send it. Just what do you got? <laughs> yeah. Ken, I know we've talked with you and JB a little bit more about the fact that like the, the big box area is not really your thing, right? What we're doing over here in the component manufacturing industry is definitely parallel. And that's where your guys' heads and hearts are most days. But like reports are, are maybe split a little bit, but last year, there was a lot of sticker shock for the retail industry. You know, I would go into wherever and try and buy wood and it's like, oh, holy cow, I've never paid that much for wood in my life. It's not going to happen today. And I, I don't mean that the sticker shock isn't still there from the from the idea that like prices aren't still high. But some reports are saying that like that's not having as much of an effect as it did last year as we rolled into spring. There, There isn't Sales are starting to be a little more sluggish, but there isn't sort of this sharp slowdown. So in this moment, I'm not necessarily even asking you for your expertise, more like let's pretend we're out having a beer. My gut says that if there isn't some inevitable pretty sharp drop off in retail, that that will also affect inevitably will affect our industry at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, retail is a a growing sector in in the market, right? New home construction and I'm just going to use general terms here, is about 25% of the lumber market, right? That's not traditional. We go back 30, 40 years, you're looking at 60, 75%. R&R, repair and remodel, the retail side of things, is more than 25%, right? It's a, it's a very large piece of the pie these days. So, you know, and, and as we've talked about before, you know, not particularly our ex- area of expertise or something to speak to, but I do know that, there is a lot of speculation over what those guys do, right? When it comes to a component manufacturer strategizing, for example, how to play the lumber market. Oh, hey, I wonder what the big chip leaders at the table are doing. I think I think to to kind of hop in here, um, and again, try try to address the point, you know, to to the way that you've asked it. the The box stores do things differently than any of us are going to be able to. They are they are year in year out, day in day out setting up their contracts directly with mills at huge volume that none of the rest of us can buy at. And again, you know, Ken and I work for a company that buys billions and billions of feet, but it doesn't move at the same tick that the box stores can do it. So they set their stuff up. It's, it's done before the year even gets going and, and 
before each quarter gets going. So we're all playing behind the sticks, as it were, you know, compared to them. It's tough to compare the rest of the market to it. Now, in terms of the market itself, you know, I had a lot of friends, you know, especially over the last couple of years, talk about the the drastic increase in, in pricing of you know, of lumber and stuff that they, well, any building material for that matter, you know, and projects that they wanted to do. And my recommendation to them was, you know, go ahead and give it, give it two or three months. If you haven't seen any change, go ahead and make the buy that you need to make because there's not fluctuation coming from those big box stores. They don't have to, they can stick it out, you know, longer than anybody else does because of exactly as exactly what I mentioned, it's all done at the beginning of the year, regardless of what you know the pricing is, it's it's all it, it's all done to them. And here's another thing that a lot of people don't realize about the box stores is that lumber is a loss leader to them. It does not matter to them if they lose money. They make the money on the screws, on the hardware, on the rest of the stuff that you know is is a much more high margin for them. And you know, lumber is just there to to get the guys in the door. It's a very different market for guys like Ken and I. And the rest of, you know, the component builders, because we have to run our businesses based on exactly what they don't care about. This is great information. I appreciate that. That's a that's one of the best explanations that I've had about the effect or lack thereof. And so that makes me want to bring up something else we were chatting about just sort of casually before we started recording today. And that is, you know, one of the things that I I look at from time to time is the futures board. And Ken, you kind of joked with me last last time we recorded that, oh, you know, that's uh, I don't know if you said I used a dirty word or, or something like that, D- just giving me a hard time. But I, in asking a little bit more about that today, I feel like there's some valuable information to talk about. Um, it's, it's, it was fun for me to go there today and be like, oh, look, the futures board, everything's red, which for anyone that's not looking means that they're saying prices are coming down, right? But as we talked, you guys explained that a little, a little bit better. And I think that might be valuable for our listeners, for you guys to talk a little bit about why the futures boards aren't the place to be looking for good information. Golly. <laughs> Just rubbing me up for it. Okay. Here's... Can you do that in 30 seconds or less, please? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no. Put a quarter in me. I'll hop on the soapbox. Here's my overarching opinion on the futures board. The futures board has significantly changed from the days of yesteryear. It's not like it used to be in the 80s. It's not like it was before the recession. It's not like it was five years ago. The gig is up in terms of lumber being highly volatile. And like anything, something that's highly volatile is going to catch the attention of people that want to leverage their money to make profits. The futures board today is widely composed of people who are not buying lumber, selling lumber, participating in anything, bidding jobs, building components, right? There's a lot of funds, investment firms. It's not... Right. Like I definitely take pride in when one of my customers call me, they certainly get a hairy, sweaty lumber broker in the in the Dugford Forest of Oregon. Right. And you can't fake that. Right. Like we go to the sawmills almost weekly and see the product. Right. A lot of the people participating in the futures board are simply bank accounts just pushing people back and forth, back and forth. So the reason why, and I feel like for an audience that I think is highly composed of people that are involved in component manufacturing or the lumber market, or maybe you're just interested or a designer, you know, or maybe you just think my voice sounds this great, but I just don't think it's a wise uh, tool or a metric for someone in that sphere to judge their, um, 
lumber buying strategy or decision making with their money, right? Whether you work for a large company and it's your boss's money, whether you're an owner operator in every sense, literally yours. I think it goes for everybody. It's it's a misleading metric. It almost skews your your instincts and um, how you should appropriately act for your business. So while I think it's a it is certainly relevant, uh, and you should check it. I just would very much take it with a grain of salt with how much significance and weight you bear your decisions on with that market. Ditto. Okay. <laughs> Ken, Ken Ken could not have said what my thoughts were, and again. You, you know, as you mentioned, you and you were joking with us before we started recording. That's uh, my, my feelings are all wrapped up into that as well. So, well, we're coming up on our supposed 15 minute mark, although we haven't been hitting that too well lately. But I have one more comment and I'm kind of curious what you'll both say after everything we've just talked about and sort of where things are at. Housing starts are still up even higher. What are your thoughts? Well, um, I got an interesting graph from a buddy of mine that, uh, that actually by single family homes for rental properties, that's his, his entire business. His fa- it's been his family's entire business for years. And it was, it was just a real simple graph about how many single family homes were built in each decade, starting in the 1930s, a very telltale mm-hmm. thing, you know, and, and, and again, starting in the 1930s, but roughly five and a half million, you know, from 1930 to 1939. A very skewed jump in the 1940s up to about eh, about 15 million from 40 to 49. Another steady jump or heavy mm-hmm. jump up into the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s into the 20s and 20 about 25 million roughly. We took a hard fall off after the 90s uh, into the 2000s and dropped that down into five and a half million here over the last 10 years. Obviously, the a huge increase in multifamily uh, that's been seen nationwide, uh, some places more than others. Uh, but with a series of generations here, you know, with the Gen Xs and God, what are they? What do they call? What's the I, other? I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. Yeah. Okay, Don't so, hurt my feelings. So, so, so the millennials <laughs> study your flashcard. I'm a millennial. Quickly becoming. You know, quickly becoming families and and you know growing families. The idea of the multifamily life with one or two kids is uh, is a tougher one. People start looking at that first family home, that first single family home, and that's again we're severely underbuilt. Nothing has changed that. That's something that will we were going to be playing catch up on for years, and I look for that to be something that continues. All right. Well, as we start to wrap up for this week, I just wonder if you guys have some final words you'd like to leave our listeners with before we see you in a couple more. You know, same same story as always. Just um, keep your suppliers close. Thank your customers for their business. You know, take care of your, your coworkers and your staff and, um, you know, count your blessings for being in a great business. It's a really good time to be doing what we do. Awesome. For JB to not be here, I'll also add, hug your lumber trader. (laughs) Exactly. He'd like that. All right. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our episode for this week. Ken, thank you so much for being here today and bringing your special guest while JB is out with his family. Thank you. Jeff, such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I appreciate your expertise, your enthusiasm. Thank you. As always, I have enjoyed our time together. I'll be a brief and I'll look forward to the next installment of Lumber Connection. This has been a Lumber Connection podcast by SBCA. 
If you have a question you'd like a guest to answer on a future podcast, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com. 